0: Congratulations Jana. Thank you. Very polished routine. How do you feel? Uh, a
1: little bit nervous. A little
0: bit nervous. That's, that's normal, that's good. Yeah. But you have done this once or twice before. Yes. Uh, finished and your third place. Is that your highest placing? Is that right? Yeah,
1: that's
0: right. How many finals? Uh,
1: three finals. Three
0: finals. And you keep coming back for more.
1: Mm, yeah. You must,
0: must love it.
1: Uh, I love it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you and the rest of the team. Obviously, you've got an incredible team.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, would, I wouldn't be. <laughs> I wouldn't Except be here
0: that without Tim him. Guy. Well, Kieran, he's all right. Where's he? Yeah, there, there,
1: there and there as well.
0: Yeah. Are uh, you going to say you wouldn't be here without that team? Is that what you're going to say? Yeah. <laughs> no, it <laughs> That's wasn't. <what> I <laughs> um, so actually the so the roasters of this coffee are here today. It's the only coffee in the finals roasted outside of the UK. Is that right?
1: Um. Yeah, at least uh, as far as I know yes, from our it, team. Yeah,
0: it is. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. <laughs> um, and but you came across this coffee because I mean, in in what you do, you work with different roasters.
1: Yeah, definitely. So in our business, we've got uh, different suppliers, different roasters, and yeah. um, this was actually a happy accident, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we get to taste many different coffees. Uh, we get to work with different roasters and. Um, I had this coffee there and I just tasted it and I was like, oh, this is great. Well, yeah. w- w- where is it, Where's this where, from? Yeah, where yeah. is this from? And I found out it was from Saudi, so I was like, okay, great. And that
0: was, um, that was before you take, was that was during the, the run up to competition? Or you tasted the coffee and thought, that when I come to competition, I want to use this coffee?
1: Yeah, it was more like that.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. you sort of put it to one side and thought, that coffee's amazing.
1: Yeah, Yeah, but it was in that period of time, so it was actually happy accident
0: yeah, absolutely and sort of this whole routine about uh, balance yeah yeah. Uh, yeah and all of the bits that go into a balanced experience yes exactly
1: you know,
0: beyond just the
1: the flavour in a cup
0: yeah absolutely which um, you know but those they also affect the flavour right they affect your experience oh definitely sort
1: of. at so least that's what I think
0: yeah yeah there's lots of research that say it's unavoidable you know but it's uh, which can say goodbye to these, sure. these judges thank you very much judges thank
1: you very much. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks Rob. much.
0: Now, as we continue to chat about your routine, mm-hmm. do you think you could brew some coffee for the? Uh, sure. The couch. What people? would you like?
1: The milk drink. Okay. Let's do. Let's do one of each.
0: Sure. Uh, tell us how you're brewing the coffee.
1: So I'm using a 90 grams, yeah, and um, bring it quite short, quite tight, yeah. So around.
0: Oh, steam. There
1: you go. Okay. Uh,
0: how how short? Quite short. Sorry.
1: Um. So around like 40 grams out.
0: Yeah. Okay. And the incredible stage setup and the uh, the, the boxes.
1: Sorry, say again.
0: The incredible stage set up and the boxes that the judges experience and open.
1: Yes, yeah, so um, it was more about that experience and yeah. taking them on the journey. Yeah. So they kind of uh, revealing a different parts of the box throughout, throughout the my routine, routine. yeah.
0: That's a big part of routines, isn't it? you sort of, you have to think about their experience and choreograph it for them. Yeah. So, and the milk drink, what's the, what was your ratio for the milk so drink? So, my
1: ratio was one part coffee, three parts milk. Yeah. So, not loads of milk. Because I really wanted that coffee to come through.
0: To come through, yeah. Which, uh, since we moved away from the cappuccino, that's the, that's the goal, right? But yeah. different coffees have different... Definitely, uh, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: And in the lead up with the... When you found this coffee, when you tasted it, was it as espresso to start with, or...?
1: Oh, well, I tasted it as a filter first, actually. Okay. Yeah. Um, you... So it wasn't meant to be an espresso okay. first, but then let me just serve this espresso. Yep, go ahead. There you go. Thank you. There you go. I'm just... Sorry, I can multitask. You can do this. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's that moment after you've competed and all that energy that you've put into yeah, it. Yeah, it's like
1: yeah. all adrenaline
0: and the milk where's the milk from
1: it's actually from Tesco okay organic Tesco milk yeah
0: pick that up on the day did you <laughs> and you're brewing the coffee the the same base for the milk
2: yes I am
1: yeah, yeah.
0: And so when you have so many people competing at such a high level together, do each other's routines affect each other? Or do you all sort of do it in you isolation? You know what, that's,
1: a, <laughs> that's actually a funny question because um, we thought it doesn't affect us, but I think it does very okay. much, yeah.
0: Is there a... It, it, there is, yeah, there is no
1: way to avoid it. Sure, sure, sure.
0: And what but, happens but in But in a good way. Yeah, sure. You have like, uh, but do, does everyone sort of develop their routines together or do they go away, get it to a point where it's presentable and then share I think
1: it? Um, every one of us has an idea yeah. what we want to do, but then it's a team effort and I think we kind of uh, work on it together. Sure.
0: Do you ever have uh, situations where you have similar ideas? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that happens very often actually. How does,
0: how does that work out? Um you're, well, you're, who, who, <laughs> You've been there longer, so you get to use the idea? Uh,
1: not really. Whoever comes with that idea first <laughs> okay. just takes it.
0: <laughs> Fine keepers. All right, so now Jana is going to serve these uh, milk beverages to the uh, panel and the Tampa
1: Tantrum
3: uh, commentators.
1: You must be over-caffeinated after. Yeah, we're very late. appreciative.
3: They they will tell you I've not said this all the way through, but you're one of my favourite people to watch because your performances are just so full of everything. Like you just you cram so much into there, and your timing is just impeccable. I remember last time I emceed you, you were like one second that I made such a big deal about, it. like, oh, you're want But second. it's
1: never my intention, but you know? you, were, you were
3: exactly <laughs> one second again. It's, oh, it's crazy good. how you do that every time.
2: Yeah, that's crazy. I
3: mean, is that just practicing practice? Because you look so, I don't know, I mean, everybody looks like they've put lots of effort in, but you are just so, every movement has a purpose. It's not like there's wasted movements in there. I mean, do you do a lot of practice?
1: Yeah, I guess so. And I'm the type of person who needs to practice these type of things because um, I need to know exactly what I'm doing. And it's like a choreography, really. So, yeah.
3: And, it, and is that three finals on the trot now? You, Second, is this just, your third final yes, on the it bench? Yes,
1: yes. So, it is. I mean, the
3: consistency is, is just uh, amazing. And we all know that like the UK competition is probably one of the hardest to make finals. Uh, definitely. Think, you know, definitely. US and, and the UK definitely seem to be the two. Ireland. Uh, just because you won it a couple of Ooh, times, yeah? Ireland's Anybody so can. Ireland. Um, so, w- what drives you to keep coming back? Because, you, you know, like, th- there must be a point where you think, oh, cr- competition season again, got to get a new idea and then devote all this time. W- well, what's your drive?
1: Well, definitely, you, you learn a lot, for sure. And I think it's the quickest way to learn and uh, explore and. Uh, taste coffees and uh, really learn. So that I think that's my biggest uh, motivation. Yeah, really.
4: So you, you talked a lot uh, a, bit, a bit in your campaign about, I suppose, about the, the subjectivity of coffee and what good coffee is. And there's a constant conversation in coffee about, you know, objective standards and subjective standards. And like, how do you find that balance, or do you, do you think it's a balance, or is it one more than? I the think other?
1: it's really tricky, um, and I can see it in our business where. I get to talk to to baristas and our customers. And it's always really tricky because they ask me, so, you know, how do I know it's good? So you tell me it's supposed to taste like this, but how do I know it's good or it's not good? And it's always really uh, subjective and it comes from the experience, it comes uh, from culture differences because we've got uh, businesses in different countries as well. So uh, I get to experience that as well and it's really tricky. I mean,
3: some people will say, I can't stand naturals. That will just be a blanket statement. When they haven't tasted all of the naturals, Mm. and then you get something delicious and amazing like that, it kind of just turns it on its head. It's it's just so personal.
1: Yeah, I think it's probably the end of the chain. I'm talking more about, for example, light roast and dark roast and blends and single origins, even specialty, commodity, because we got uh, all that. So, um, you know... Some people say, oh, I really like that dark rose, that Italian blend, and I love robusta in it, and that's good for me. And some people have just... It's you know. all
5: about context, isn't it?
1: Oh, definitely, definitely. It's and good. when I go to Italy, I enjoy that. You it know? is, a,
5: it's, a, it's a nice, refreshing but you Yeah,
1: but you think. really have to know that's the hardest part. Is it good, or is it made good, or is it not? Well, I think it's good?
3: about ma- matching the expectations of the... You go into a coffee bar in Italy, you know exactly what you're going to have. Yep. You're going to have something that's well made, probably not the best coffee, but he's going to be in a context that you understand a, what you're being customer delivered. Customer
1: service, the environment, um, yeah. all these things. The yeah, points I of I reference it change. It, it makes I, a difference.
4: It, I think it's it's a sign of a, a again of a, like an immature market that we can't appreciate certain things, or we're we're kind of trained not to appreciate them. Like a, a good example is roastiness or like smokiness in coffee, yeah. which to a lot of like commodity coffee drinkers, so that's. A good thing. You that's know? what they're looking for. Yeah. We're trained to hate that flavor. Whereas, if you go to something, have you tasted whiskey, Steve? Have you? Occasionally, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thought so. Uh, but in whiskey, like well, Scotch whiskey anyway, that's like it's smokiness is a good thing, and it's it's you know mm. it should be complex and nurtured and controlled. Whereas in coffee, we're like, oh, if that's there, it's bad, you know. Mm. So like, do you think we're we're too narrow in our in our focus in coffee, or is it something?
1: I think so. I- I don't want to say that like, everyone is like that, but I think we should be a little bit more like, open-minded. And you know, It's like um, when you go on a holiday, everything tastes great because you're on holiday, you're happy, and you enjoy everything. So I think it, 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 it's the part of that. Of course, the, the flavour is still the heart of that, but um, the experience around it is as, much as, as important as the flavour.
5: Could you just tell us a little bit more about your coffee? I couldn't catch the name of the roaster, or...?
1: Um, So it's from Saudi Arabia, and the roast is called uh, Brew 92.
5: Right. I I do... Do you know that? I do.
1: Okay.
3: And and that's one of the great things about working at Baxter Storey, is you're exposed to so many different coffees, aren't you? I mean, how do you nail down choosing a coffee when you have so much choice in front of you?
1: That's a very good question. I, I tend to not to... Like have so many options because then I can't decide. So I usually like, um, yeah, I, it, it's really hard. Yeah, it is. Yeah.
3: And and take us through your day, um, a back story. So what are you? Is that
1: for me? Can yes, I yeah. Uh,
3: take us through your day and what would be what would be the normal working day for Jana? So
1: that's a tricky question too because <laughs> um, every day is different. So we do many different things. Um, we do trainings, we do support, uh, we do trainings on site, we do tastings, uh, we do um, a coffee coffee clubs for our customers. So every day is very different. Um, yeah.
3: And we can't leave the Baxter story story without. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't think of a better word. <laughs> um, with uh, how many of your colleagues made the semi-finals? It's it's, it's huge, been incredible. Isn't it? Yeah,
1: it's been incredible. So five of us made a semi-finals. So we had six competitors competing this year in the whole UKBC, and five got through. So oh, yeah, it
3: was, Did it was the, one the one that didn't make it get sacked? <laughs> 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 no. Oh, you see, they're so kind. So kind. good employers. Yeah. Um, so like. What, when it comes around to competition season, obviously that guy over there in the terrible shirt um, has a lot to do with it, but do you all work together as a team? Because I know you have like an in-house competition, don't you, to choose like who's going to come and, and represent and things.
1: Yeah, so we've got like our uh, regular competitors, which is me, Don, um, but then we've got our internal competition as well, so whoever gets to win... Um, uh, will be um, we will be basically supporting him through UKBC as a it's like a prize for, for the for the first place yeah
3: yeah so um, tell tell me kind of like what motivates you to kind of keep going onto that stage I'm I'm, I'm, I'm like because it must get to the point where how do you find the energy to kind of be that front person Well, this
1: year was actually quite easy because there was a big gap, so I had a uh, long time to rest and gather my energy and, uh, yeah. Um,
4: that means the next year is going to come a lot quicker. It's going
1: to be, be really fast, yeah. It really is.
4: I mean, you're going
3: you're to go to Korea and compete as UKBC uh, UK champion and then you're going to have to come back and defend
4: your title straight away. Just straight away, yeah. You <laughs> do you find <laughs> it gets easier though, do you? Sorry? Do, do you find it gets easier every no, year?
1: No, not at all. I actually find it more difficult. So uh, the more I compete more nervous I am because I know what to expect, really? yeah. And um, it's, it's, it's a really funny thing. Um, I'm actually more stressed and
6: more nervous um, than I was at the beginning. I think also because you start to understand the score sheet better from when you first yeah, compete. I guess so. You really start to understand where you lose points and where you can because gain.
1: Because you're them. really aware, when, while you're making the coffee, you're really aware of, okay, I shouldn't have done that, and okay, this is good, or I'm gonna lose points here. Um, but at the beginning it was more about like to just enjoy yourself and go through it but now yeah you you may be right that you're kind of more aware of the points.
3: I guess there's also a pressure to not make the same mistake that you would have dropped points the previous year but then that just leaves a hole for something else.
1: Yeah because you want to be better and better every each year but um, yeah that's hard. We've
4: been talking a bit today about how the competition has evolved over the years or how it will evolve. How would you like to see competition as a format uh, change over the years? Is there anything you'd like to see included in competitions that isn't quite there yet or or do you think the competition is perfect (laughs)
1: Um, well I think there should be a little bit more creativity Um, I think nowadays it's really about like following the points and the structure and just nailing the points down and I think there should be a little bit more space for creativity yeah, I don't know how that looks like really. I really yeah. haven't thought of that, but I think there should be. Le- I think, for example, the, the milk beverage um, uh, step was a really great step forward because that gives you a little bit more space to play with it, play with the flavours.
3: Um, I, I, I miss saying give it up for the cappuccinos. You know, really? I miss uh, that as well. You um, say it anyway, though. I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I refuse to call it a milk beverage. Oh. Um, <laughs> I know there's a big team behind you, I know there's lots of people involved. Uh, Is there anybody you wanna thank on the stream or thank here in the audience that have uh, helped you get to this third (laughs) final on the bounce? I've got the
1: list in my head. Um, So, of course, I would like to thank Baxter Story for supporting me um, and allowing me to be here, actually. Uh, My coach there, Tim Sterk, thank you, Tim. Um, I wanna thank my team, Um, so Don, Derek, Kieran, Amanda, George, Sarah, Egle. Um, I think that's, that's all I didn't get any. Jonathan, sorry, Jonathan. <laughs> um, I want to thank my roasters as well, because they, they've been a great support to me, um, too. Um, I, wanna, um, I would like to thank Marek, who he knows who is. He helped me to make those boxes. So um, thank you very much for the help. And yeah, I think that's it really. Can I quickly ask about the boxes?
6: How yeah, did you come sure. about with that idea?
1: Um, it's actually, it was a random thing. So I don't know, you, I, just, I was just walking um, in the shop and I saw this sewing box. I was like, oh, this is a cute size, it's kind of fun. What can I do with it? And that was uh, the inspiration. And then I like took it, took it apart, um, yeah. And so you made the four of those bespoke for yeah. the competition? Yeah, for wow. the
3: competition. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Jana, it's absolutely fantastic to see you up here again in the finals. A fantastic you. performance. You, you and your huge team should be very proud of what you've done up there. Please, a big round of applause for Jana Slamova.
6: Yeah, I every time. I know. <laughs>
3: So, uh, once we've got Yarn out of the way, what do you think? Was that any good? It's pretty sharp, isn't it? The standard of the competitors all day has been incredibly high. Um, I mean, do we get to a point where it's going to be impossible to actually split people apart because the standard gets to a point where you can't improve? Or do, you know, as the Evolution Committee got some ideas on how to to keep changing that, because at a national level, for sure, they are so close, I mean, you know... We uh,
2: yeah, and that, but that also depends, it differs per country as well, uh, which makes uh, it, it more difficult, of course. Um, I think there are more and more countries where the finalists will be moving closer and closer together, um, and especially for an audience, it will be more and more difficult, if you're not tasting the drinks, to, to know what's what. Um, but in other countries, it's, it's uh, very different. So uh, just to make sure that you service all the countries and all the national bodies is, uh, is a challenge as well.
4: It's interesting what Jana was saying about trying to introduce more creativity into the competition because yeah. it's something I hear a lot, but I feel like the reason that it isn't is because it's, it's a difficult thing to quantify. Like how can you yeah, score someone creativity? on creativity? Like what is creativity? And, and how can you, I, you, you know, I've got very creative friends who don't do very much, you know what I mean, so like, it's it just because it's creative, is it, is it useful, you know what I mean, so I think the the tendency of the competition is to go more towards the objective side, and what can we measure, whereas we're, we're, are we in danger of losing that more subjective side, like, because personally, I always feel like, even outside of coffee, that if you make a decision on something, whether you like something, or you want something, you make emotional decisions, you know, if you see a new car, or a new pair of shoes or something. You see them, you go, I want that. Or you taste it, you go, oh, that's amazing. I want more. And you make emotional decisions, and you you justify those decisions with rational reasoning. So, but we're putting the rational before the emotional in some in situations.
6: Yeah, I'm I'm really of the of the belief that when in a judging competition, in the way that people are scored, I feel that we have to rely on the objective aspect to be fair in a judging scenario, which is that this is a competition and there is obviously room for creativity and, and the innovation is part and parcel in that. But for it to move into subjectivity whilst in the presentation, I feel that...
3: I don't know. I, th- I think that's the role... Like, that could be managed the same role as the drink scores are managed by the head judge. Right. So the head judge's role is somebody is scoring inappropriately on there you pull them to the to the right place so it is it is more balanced and i think we can all think of performances in our heads where objectivity you know where something was super creative like i'm thinking of ones now kind of rolling off and when you see something that makes you go i really want to try that Mm. i really want you know you see some stuff like today where I really want to taste that sick drink. Like, I want to know what that tastes like. That's very easily quantifiable when you have a group of you know, seven people standing around judging. Because when they get to the judges' room, that's where you can fix the things where maybe not everybody's um, so kind of in balance with each other and kind of,
4: uh, you know, kind of scoring correctly. Well, I think like, uh, having done a few competitions over the years, I've seen a lot, and in fairness, I've, I've probably been part of this as well, where... You don't win, and you want to know why. And it's very yeah. difficult for judges to come back and say, well, we just didn't feel you have what it t- takes. And are like, well, why? What could you? So we as a group of community of baristas have been asking for quantifiable reasons why we didn't win, because we're pretty pissed off about it. And, I, and then yeah. that's the way the scoring's gone, because they need to be able to stand behind something. And as a consequence, we've kind of, like, it, it's a case where we should, you know, you have to be careful what you wish for. Because now we've got a very quantifiable system and then the backlash is happening where people are saying, this needs to, be more, needs to be more subjective input into it, you know?
3: But I think we've proved that the objectivity we're actually not always so good at either because people will disagree all the time about who wins and, you know, like who... And then when they get back to the judges' room, you'll still have arguments over, no, I think it was this, I think it was that. So we're not
4: actually being that subjective anyway because... Are you, you're, are you a curator? writer? Not yet. Not yet. So you've got two and a half Q graders here. Yeah. So that's one system in place where we talk about objectivity in scoring coffee. Do you think it's an objective way to score coffee?
5: What, what, Q grader? I think once you have a critical mass of people, yeah. But the system itself is meaningless unless you've got a network of people that agree on something. So the virtues of the Q system is the actual calibration. And it all springs into existence once there's a bunch of people around you because otherwise it is fundamentally meaningless. But, I mean, that's how it is very hard to kind of have these discussions about judging and stuff. I mean, you can't have a competition without a score sheet. You can't have a competition without the ideas of objectivity. And if you're going to separate the winners from the losers, then it is about that X factor, which is always going to be unquantifiable. The question is, how much effort do we put into reworking the score sheets to reward that X-factor. Because you can always not lose points. It's a matter of how can you pick them up in other, in other departments. Do you know well, I mean? mean,
3: I go back to my experience I had just a few weeks ago in Burundi as a Cup of Excellence jury, which was full of Q graders, right. that had been calibrated. We spent a whole day calibrating and still couldn't agree sure. with, with a score sheet. So I think whenever there is that's you know we, we decide that oh yeah we're going to really tighten it up and we're going to follow these rules. There is still an element of personal choice and personal favoritism towards things that will always be rewarded. I mean, is it time we just let go of trying to be trying to give the reasons, the barista why they didn't win? Because we co- we're not doing a good job now uh, uh, because. You know, baristas going away, confused and not knowing why they didn't do so well. Do we let go of that and just actually just get, go, we're going to go with like gut feeling and how you're presented? I mean, something like fun and entertaining and creative are just as quantifiable as a, a perception of taste amongst four judges.
6: Well, I mean, one thing we haven't spoken about yet is judges calibration, and there's there have been a couple of articles recently. Um, Pete litaka uh, published one recently about the calibration of judges. Um, Likada. Sorry? Likada. Likada. Okay. Likada. um and the benefit of having a much more regimented um, way of, of calibrating judges. So we're talking we've taken it back to Q graders for this, but if we are talking about the judging of people in a competition as well, um, maybe there is a conversation that needs to be had about how much the judges are c- calibrated over a long time. They are voluntary as well, so there's this whole idea of putting more um, focus on the calibration of those as individuals so that you can get a tighter...
3: But it's very easy to be calibrated. when you Cross away one, cross away six, yeah. you've basically got a very small group... No wonder everybody's calibrated, because it's literally a numbers game of like, yeah, we're here, and everybody knows what score to put down now, because you've got such a limited range, and there's no creativity for the judge to kind of go, even on on a, uh, a cupping sheet, you have an overall score, where you don't have to give a reason, you can just, I love it. It's great. And I do that all the time on Coping Good. Like, I can't tell you why, but I love this coffee. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm, I'm the yeah, same. You make
4: that emotional decision.
5: I wonder if there's, a, there's any kind of um, value in having judges have two separate score sheets where one's entirely technical and objective and the other is completely I think there's a huge subjective. value in that. Because, yeah. like,
4: it, what we were saying earlier about, when you go think of the best cafes you went to in the last year. And you definitely, there are objective criteria that you would rank that cafe by. If you look for, you know, they've got a good machine, you know, is the place clean? Have they got good grinders? You know, is coffee fresh, you know, is, you know, all these little, these objective things. But ultimately it comes back to that, like, did I leave with a memory? Is there like, is there something, something intangible that I will remember this place for? And absolutely, they are always your favorite places.
6: Well, yeah. I, for example, then going back to what we were saying earlier, if there were to be a compulsory round that was focused purely on technical, that would then give more focus to the subjective aspect, perhaps for the yeah. for the coffee's presentation. It's a
4: different in three years. Okay, so between two thousand and ten, twenty, and two thousand and thirteen. Okay, so I competed at the World Championships in two thousand and ten, the one in two thousand and thirteen, and two thousand and thirteen, on the scoring on on the on each of the courses, you could see everything was within a point or half a point, like across the board, okay? It was like the same person had done all the score sheets, like incredible, right? And it, it was like that in everybody's score sheets because I think, especially 2013, a lot of people posted their scores and I've seen that a lot lately. In 2010, I remember in the final, we, we, the SIG especially, there was, uh, we made, or I made one jug and split it into four glasses and in the finals got... I got a six and a one for the same wow.
5: drink. Right.
3: And that there's an argument, though, to uh, when you do regiment it so much and everybody needs to be on key, that everybody saves scores. So I, I read some data from, again, a couple of excellence jury about the judges that were most calibrated, but all they were doing were giving out 83s to 87s. And the ones that were giving out, like 90 threes might give out a to 90 the next time they copy it because they were more braver with the scoring. So by encouraging to be more regimented and by encouraging uh, judges to fill a criteria, we actually take away the chance for them to really reward something when they see it because they're almost too scared of not calibrating with their peers. That's
6: really interesting. It's almost saying that if we're too regimented with the objectivity, you start to hinder the subjectivity which might then improve the objectivity. Right.
5: Yeah, I encountered it a lot with people that want cue training, and um, they end up just either falling in line. And once they get to know you so much, which is but when I did the cue, you know, I mean, it was punishable by death to kind of score safely. When I did it with a wonderful guy called Todd, and uh, you know, he he would he would allow you to completely make a mistake, but if you were scoring safe, or um, scoring homogeneously then he would really kind of kick you in the ass
3: and the thing is is that we will all have different experiences to different coffees be that the cupping table or be that the judges table so if you think something's a five and a half and you want to give it and somebody wants to give it a one well do you know what as long as you can justify why you feel that way we should actually encourage people to be more you know more brave with their scoring
5: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
2: I think subjectivity in scoring is absolutely viable in this competition. It is, though, still important to discuss then who are the judges, which is very difficult in that sense, um, because although your um, subjectivity is is saying either I enjoyed it or I didn't, and there's always a basis of what is a quality coffee, which we would all agree on, like, is it under or over-extracted? Is the machine dirty? Those are things that we know and recognize. But um, the question is, who are the judges and are they consistent? Would they score the same quality coffee, the same every time? Which I feel is important in the competition, because otherwise it really becomes a very random act of who wins.
4: Completely. Like Two of the things that we spoke about today were, what is the point in the competition? The point is to find the best barista on the planet, okay? And the second thing is about context. And yeah. you were saying about in different countries, different things taste great. So are the judges empowered to get a coffee, taste it, not like it, and give it a six? Because it's exactly what that barista intended and told them that they, uh,
5: they would taste.
4: You know, that, does that, that happen?
5: That's how I've th- always thought, like romantically, the judges should be thinking about. If someone presents a coffee to you and says you're going to taste dirt, worms, and fish, and that's what you taste like... Well, it's a specialty
2: coffee competition.
5: True, Still but I mean... Added. I mean, I've Is
3: it though, mean. or is it a barista competition? Because I don't feel it is a specialty coffee competition. We, yeah, we are scoring a barista delivering service, delivering technical skills, and delivering what they say they're going to deliver.
2: Yes, but it's also a competition where we're looking for not only the best barista, but also an ambassador for the specialty coffee industry and we're not looking for someone who says, well, I'm using an extra, I'm I'm just pulling a shot one time and not serving it to you because I want the group hat to be dirty so you'll have a coffee that you expect in a cafe around the corner. That's not what we're striving towards. Um, What we are striving towards is is barista skill innovation, and in that sense, there's room for for judges to to perhaps uh, score more subjectively uh, if they want to, and I, I... I do think, I've been in, in Judge's room where we've had this discussion like do I f- have the freedom to, to score this coffee low just because I don't like it. Um, yeah. Where sometimes you're like, just the fact that you don't like a natural coffee but this barista said it has strawberry and it has pineapple and it does, doesn't mean you cannot, you cannot give it a one just because you don't like it. I,
5: I know. Which who- is
2: a danger when judging subjectively.
5: So I, don't think, I don't think we're going that far. I mean, subjectivity and objectivity wear many clothes, right? And it's all the, under the banner of context. So I don't think we're having...
4: I, I do know someone who's competed at world level and was told by a judge that the coffee was really great, they enjoyed the coffee, it tasted like they said they would taste, but that kind of coffee isn't worthy of winning the competition.
2: Yeah. I mean, or in a, in a brewer's competition where the question is, so why did you use this uh, Kalita and not a V60? Because it gives a brighter cup.
5: <laughs> I if mean, again, is that judge still judging? But, say again? Is that judge still judging?
4: Yeah, this was very recent. Uh, and I think it's like the brewer's cup is a great example of this because it's... Go and source an expensive coffee. Uh, Steve's got a lot to say about that. Yeah, yeah sure, let's yeah. not go there. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we also some already, of the judges are here. <laughs> we, we see, we as we as a community have brought ourselves to that point because we put pressure on judges to justify it. And uh, but that's out. the
2: difficult part, right? I mean, if if we are asking judges to to judge a competition that has such big consequences, uh, where you go to a world stage, where you get instant fame, um, the world opens up to you what are we justifying a win on, uh, and how are we giving you the information from for the barista, the information that you can use, like this is how you can succeed. And that makes this competition very difficult because it's not like sports or athletics where it's very clear you need to do this and then you'll win, you'll need to be the best, and being the best is very clearly defined. Yeah. Uh, and even, I mean, looking into the argument of what is fair and what's not fair um, is very difficult because a competition is never going to be 100% fair.
6: Mm.
3: Okay, so how about we carry on down this same road we've been going on of tightening it and we get food scientists involved, like the ones who've made the lexicon, which are trained to be sensory experts, and we don't get people that run... Coffee shops and roasteries to judge, and we get actual trained taste scientists to judge. Then we take away all of that. I mean, that's really interesting. Subjectivity. Inter-
5: Syrian, S- you've sent around some articles on what infrared.
2: Yes. So this is University uh, in Ghent, where they um, infrared has been used in in sensory science for quite some time, in also determining what the the quality of a coffee is, um, and now they in Ghent they have. Uh, this new idea of how they can see on green beans so pre roasting what the quality of the coffee will be, and not that they will say it 's an eighty seven but they will say it 's within this category so it 's under eighty it 's between eighty and eighty three it 's between eighty three and eighty six etc cetera, etc, and the results are not one hundred percent accurate, but they 're clearly very positively moving into that direction. Which is interesting does that mean that as a cupper your job is obsolete or you but know the, it becomes the, the or are you as a cupper uh, in mean, a quality position work. moving more towards well more subjective okay so it's in with this in this category but and Also what happens do to the brave, brave, like brave
6: score in that you know if yeah. you've got an infrared verification that your 90 is actually an 82 then But that's
4: something yeah. we need to be really careful about because people I, like I see baristas and roasters saying well this coffee is an 88 and you're like well, it's scored at 88. Like, no, it is an 88 coffee. Like, <laughs> mm. Okay, like you have to be... Like, cause, and it's not like objectivity and subjectivity. It's not one or the other. Like it's a, it's a scale. And definitely Q grading is a really valuable uh, training mechanism which makes it more objective. But it just slides it along the scale. Yeah, You'll never get to the stage where... Like if you, if you weigh that cup, you can find out the exact weight of it. Yeah, But with, with coffee, there is no... Well, that's the question, there.
2: of course, now also with the lexicon. If you look at other industries, it's very normal to have a sensory panel that can tell you, no, this is, compared to the gold standard of what this product should be, it's 100% accurate and the quality that we want. So that's, that's a very different way of working a with the product.
4: Like even if you look at any sort of tasting panel, there's always more than one person. Yes, mm. That's because it's a subjective process.
6: Also, yes. comparatively with the so before this, you gave us the link to the the wine comparison with the coffee and wine tasters, and I feel that the difference between the wine lexicon and the coffee lexicon is that when you are as a sommelier or a wine taster, you are not affecting that product once you receive it. But for the coffee world, it is yeah. automatic. So much of that is pure variance depending on how it is brewed and in, if there yeah, so many things. And you're adding
3: to it as well. You're right. not just having the glass of wine. You're adding a heap load of water to it as well, which will completely... Somebody wrote a book about this, about water and coffee, and it changes stuff. Some
5: dude. Um, yeah, I do not understand it. it.
4: Just on that, sorry, but it, it, it's a really good point because even when you get to something that are of equal quality, like if you say, okay, this is a 92-point... Pacamara, and this is Green, a ninety-two yeah. point, you know, Kenyan SL twenty-eight. Which one will I give to a customer who wants an example of a great expensive coffee? I'm going like, give him the Kenyan. I dare you to yep. brew bad Kenyan. Try. Yeah. You won't be able to. You know, the Pacamara. You've mm, you've a, you a window and try like you. You need a skill set. You need to know what you're doing with that coffee. So, with with, with the wine, it's a very similar. That you just open a bottle, pour it out. It's still great. You know. I think
3: we should maybe finish, so we'll k- encourage them to come and give you scores, and encourage you to uh, find out who our uh, winners are. Uh, I'd like to thank Nick, Jesse May, Sarianne. Thank
4: you guys so much for yeah, being please so... Please round of applause for our panellists. Every now and again we get... a. Um, we get guests on and it's like getting blood from the stone, but you guys just wouldn't shut up, so we really appreciate that. Really appreciate yeah, it. it. I'd like yeah, to have a special you.
3: thank you to Jen, who has organised all thanks, of the panel Woo. and done all Woo. of the organising. Round of applause Woo. for Jen, please. This is a point where I get you to clap a lot.
4: Um, we'd, we'd like to uh, thank as well our title sponsor, uh, VA Machinery, uh, who distributed Victoria Arduino Express Machines here in the UK, um, do, do go and see them before they
3: go mention I sent you you get a free espresso machine yeah, from yeah Pete them. said he's got loads yeah, of free espresso he's got loads machines. to give you for free yeah, so yeah, that's it. Uh, but no thank you to our title sponsors thank you Colin thank you Steve yes well you flew across I drove down so from a different easier. country from a different country and um oh Jen's frantically writing something down oh yeah yeah no of course these guys standing behind the cameras, LSFX, thank you so much guys, Yay. thank you for all of your help, really appreciate it. Um, there will be videos of all this stuff afterwards, so if you couldn't hear us on the mics, we'll have better sound quality, and you'll be able to watch them on the uh, website. Also, thanks to
4: the SCAA UK for having us here. Of course, this, of what course, piece there is. yeah. Uh, put on a great, great show. Great bunch of lads. Yeah. So lasses. yeah,
3: we'll get out of your way, and we'll get some results very soon, I hope.